Everybody and welcome to episode 211 of the Saturn Studs podcast. Uh, my dulcet tones have returned this week. I have fixed my D drive and we are back in action here. I am joined once again this week by my co-hosts Peter and Jake. Coming at you with the crusty busker edition of the cast. And by fixed his D drive, we mean uh, Kurt ventured... He finished his adventure within Jake. Yep. And he is at perfect yep. health now. Shortly after the podcast, I raced into the bathroom and we attached the extraction device. And just in time, uh, his his shrinkable uh, device got out of my body, expanded, destroyed my bathroom. But it's okay. He had defeated the coronavirus. Uh, he's a hero. <laughs> Kurt, I, I, uh, my family I'm, couldn't thank you more. Uh, I'll credit. Uh, I'll take the credit for defeating the coronavirus. Sure. <laughs> you, your girlfriend, and your two bunnies were a crack team, and you kept your head on a swivel. <laughs> I could. I could just see my bunnies, like in in terms of helping with anything, just staring. <laughs> And like, if you ask them to like hold anything, them just walking away from you. Just <laughs> but they ended up doing the one thing at the end of the, the the movie to to that 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 turns out the tumor looked like a carrot <laughs> that redirected the power because they chewed through the cord or some shit. The MacGuffin. The MacGuffin. Uh, they they brought the MacGuffin or something. I don't even know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> this just in Kurt didn't watch last week's cast I I did not sadly um, and from the numbers I was not alone in that. <laughs> well um, everybody missed so, out they're gonna have to go I back mean, I guess I guess the good news is that I have a lot of negotiating power with myself when I go to negotiate my contract <laughs> for renewal <laughs> Apparently, oh. I am something of a ratings draw on the show. Fuck. You're you're a third of our power. Which which wait which Triforce are we? Um, I would guess that I'm Wisdom. Jake's courage, because goddamn, he's bold enough to say a lot of shit on the stream. <laughs> no, it's true. It makes me, does that make me power? Wait, you are makes me power. Yeah. You got you got that power. You got that that iron stomach and tenacity. I'll never, I'll never be yeah, iron stomach. <laughs> yes, the drinks you fucking mix should not be consumed by mere mortals. Speaking of, uh, before we talk about before we say what movie before we, we talk about it this week, before we talk about it, I just I, my brain imagined a great drink that my body needs to try later. It's um. Even even parts pinnacle whipped Kahlua, um, creme creme de cacao, and um, rum chata, and it's just the it's gonna be the fucking sweetest dessert drink that anyone's ever tasted. Yeah, that's uh, 
It's like a Starbucks mocha, coca, frappe, latte. So if a white Russian is milk, Kahlua, and vodka, what you've just described is the Vladimir Putin. It's yes. a super white Russian. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah, before we get into Trey Watch, uh, we actually have a uh, promo to read for a podcast called A Day in, a, in the Life. I almost said A Day in a Life. A Day in the Life. It's a podcast about living life during the coronavirus. Uh, they have fun topics that you can send into them, and they do comedy skits. So go check out A Day in the Life on Spotify, Radio Public, or Google Podcasts. And there's a website that goes along with that uh, that I will link in the description. It's very um, much not something that I can read off and, like, you can punch in very easily. So check out the link in the description for that. Um, and uh, with that taken care of, let's move on to Trey Watch. And uh, we have a thriller on the on the show this uh Yeah, whatever time. it is. And, with Unhinged, uh, my main takeaway from this trailer is, wow, Russell Crowe got really fucking fat. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is that discount Russell Crowe? Oh, no. When Russell Crowe, what happened? When I saw the, the thumbnail, I thought it was Gerard Butler at first, and then I clicked on it, and it's like, no, Russell Crowe is really fat. He plays a... Uh, I guess unhinged man who all he wanted was an apology from a Karen and uh, he doesn't get it. So he goes on a murderous rampage uh, to destroy her life. <laughs> you know, things you do <laughs> for a second. I was like, yeah, I'd be, I'd be there. And then murderous rampage was like, oh, well, yeah, it's usually not the way to handle things. <laughs> yep. Uh, but like, I, I found a, poster for this movie oh did you and know? i think it tells me everything i need to know about this movie i didn't see the trailer but right. i i'm gonna assume that this will fully inform me this and the tidbits about russell crowe it's a uh a scantily clad woman holding a bloody cleaver or a bloody pair of gardening scissors uh they all wanted a piece of her some took too much i believe this yep. is a different movie <laughs> <laughs> okay that's it. Yep. That's exactly totally. what we described. I am uh, 99% sure. <laughs> they need to make unless it Unless it takes a really wild turn in the second act. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Uh, Russell Crowe in his greatest method acting role yet. But yeah, Russell Crowe, like, he just, uh, you know, I was with him for the first part, but then he, like, you know... Killed some dude at a gas station and then killed her husband at a coffee shop. And that, you know, like they put a lot of that in the trailer, which seems like kind of yeah wrong. But yeah, that child's fucked now. Her kid is fucked. If, if it makes it for the movie, it's going to have psychological scars. Unless that will he never kills heal. the kid. Yeah, that's what I said. If he makes it for the yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I hope this movie takes that step and is like, you know what? We're killing kids. Oh, here we go. Here's a, here's an actual poster for this movie. Okay. Russell Crowe's not scantily clad in this Damn one. Yes. 
he can he ha- can happen to anyone. So and he keeps saying, "I need you to know what a bad day is." Uh, so basically, the screenwriter of this uh, got high and watched Maxim. No, not Maxim Overdrive. I don't even know what Mad Max and The Killing Joke back to back, and was like, "I have an idea." <laughs> Get me Russell Crowe on the phone. What? He's gained 100 pounds? Doesn't matter. Put him in the movie. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? I don't know if it's like the the, the city aspect of it. it. It's not really actually closely related at all. It just makes me want to watch um, Phone Booth. I think it's all Phone Booth. I, I feel like I know the name, but I don't. Is that what it's called? It it's the one bell. where the, the some guy or lady gets a call from a phone booth and they pick it up and the guy's like i got a i got a sniper trained on you stay on the phone with me or you're you're gonna die that's an interesting that that is is a big premise with it's one it's a premise i would tell to a celebrity at a party to try and get like weasel my way and they played on fx so many times oh yeah phone booth two words 2002 thriller, psychological thriller. Psychological. What was the plot twist? There was no sniper. Um. Oh, there was a plot twist. I'm not going to give it away. <laughs> but it was a pretty good plot twist. Because everybody was like, show me the gun in the phone booth. Like, they thought the guy in the phone booth was the one killing people. And then once once people around the phone booth started dying, they're like, hey, you, on the phone, where's your gun? And he's like, I don't have a gun. And then above him, there's a gun. <laughs> Wowzers. Wow. Yowie, wowie. Oh, wow. That's my five-second review of phone booth. That I saw 10 years ago. But does ago. he get his change back at the I end? I can't disclose that. I can neither confirm nor deny that. That's... Okay. But inquiring minds want to know. You'll have to watch the movie. I the don't 18, feel like I want to spend 90 minutes. Movie. Or spend two hours and watch it on FX as they play it with 20 commercials. Um, oh boy! No, after my experience watching Die Hard three on television, I have no desire to ever watch a movie on television. I would ever never again. watch a movie on TV. Too many commercials. Yeah, like um, I swear to God, we were watching Die Hard three for seven hours. We did. I think that movie like ended at like eleven. We started before dinner. I see that they they throw so many commercials into like bullshit now. It's just like we just got mm-hmm. back. Yeah, it's it's real bad. It's real bad. They're on a death spiral. TV's not death spiral, kids. Um, speaking of death spirals, I don't want to watch. I don't want to review this trailer for end of sentence. It's really boring. It's for me. Like it's probably a fine drama film. I'm I'm sure it's probably okay. Uh, I don't give a fuck. It's about two. It's a father and son going to spread their mother's ashes at the lake, and they're going through a personal journey on a road trip together. They learn a little bit about each other on the way, and he, he learns to be a better son. I think it's and important. At the end, they go to the lake. 
I feel it's important to uh, mention that the reason it's called end of sentence is because the son is being released from prison. That is true. That is a part of it. It feels like an important <laughs> detail. <laughs> no, no, no. I was In I was hoping end, people no. would understand that there was like, like something a, a period had something to do with something because you know that's <laughs> could you like imagine? Could you imagine like the next level titling of like taking a movie about menstruation and calling it end of sentence? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Two degrees. I'd be so mad and imp- and impressed if they could make I it know, work, right? <laughs> like I was, I hated myself for thinking of it, but then I applauded my creativity. And I said, "Wasn't it appeared?" There you go. Yeah. Seth Rogen's uh, an American. So instead, <laughs> yes. So every streaming service uh, needs its flagship film. Uh, it's flagship property to really get it off the ground here. If you say uh, so. HBO Max is a new one on the scene because apparently an on-demand service is already not enough. You got to upgrade that to streaming on-demand. Uh, so what have they got to put in the papers to be like, go buy HBO Max for our own original oh, property? Guess. That's right. It's Seth Rogen's American Pickle. I was going to guess old-timey Seth Rogen. I mean, does uh, H- HBO Max, I think, also has, like, the entire Warner Media catalog? It does. So, but everyone needs their own original property. You're not a streaming service if you don't have own, your own original property. But I'm pretty sure they have, like, f- no, that's Peacock, never mind. That has friends. What the fuck is Peacock? <laughs> that's NBC's streaming service. Oh, God. With a, there's a free tier, and then, like, you can go on. For only eleven ninety nine a month, limited time offer for twelve okay. months. This is gonna be. I want a pa- I want a package of streaming services, some sort of bundle. This, there I, is there is a site that does that for you. Fucking Christ! I think I think this is gonna be a good uh, show movie. Is it what is it? Show. It's gonna. It be, like I think show. it should be a movie. Uh, maybe it'll be a four-part series. So the I description don't know. is an immigrant worker at a pickle factory is accidentally preserved for a hundred years and wakes up in modern-day Brooklyn. Okay, HBO Max is all over the goddamn place. Let me read to you yeah. some of these fucking groupings they have here. So, okay. uh, culture-defining TV, Rick and Morty, Friends, Doctor Who, Adventure Time, The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Pretty Little Liars, Batwoman. They put nice. Batwoman as a culture-defining television show. Yeah, she's a... Um, Regardless mm. of what you feel about its quality, which you can check out our YouTube channel. She's not what we are. Diane and myself uh, appraise the quality of an episode. Um, it's had one fucking season. How is it culture-defining? <laughs> Because she uh, Tiger King is Tiger King is more culture defining than Batwoman. Because she woman, Fresh, Fresh Prince and uh, Anthony Bourdain parts unknown, and hey, then blockbuster dead. movies and classic favorites. Remember, blockbuster movies, classic favorites, Casablanca. Okay, okay. Lord of the Rings. Sure, Detective Pikachu. Oh. <laughs> Spirited Away. Okay. That's classic favorite. Okay. Matrix. Wonder Woman. 
Oh. A little. All right, that's a blockbuster. I'll give you that. Uh, when Harry Met Sally, uh, The what? Conjuring 2, and Crazy uh. Rich Asians. Uh, oh. oh, so. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Devil's I, Advocate I might... for Crazy Rich Asian. I'm not Asian, but I did hear from the Asian community. That made a lot of money. That, that of money. it was really spicy in the Asian community. That was their their kimchi. They were they were all yeah, about fucking, it. I yeah, yeah. I mean it. It was it was a, it was a, uh, as a movie. As a movie, it wasn't much. But no, no. The, even uh, even the Asians said, like, yeah, it's not that great of a movie, but like they got really good Asian actors to star in it. So. Like it was an all Asian cast and movie, larger than life Asian characters. characters. Here's oh, the three star. that they pick: Looney Tunes, but not Looney Tunes like just in general. Specifically, Looney Tunes back in action, the 2004 movie starring Brendan Fraser and Bill Goldberg. Um, Sesame okay. Street, sure. My neighbor Totoro. That's a motley mix there. Something for everybody. Just don't feel that's. It doesn't feel like the what the words larger than life means. I don't think that's what <laughs> the, you know, when I think of larger than life, I think of like yeah, like Scott like almost like Scott Pilgrim or like uh space I feel like Space Jam more than like fucking Well the Looney Tunes, sure, action. they're larger than life characters. Uh Sesame Street and the Muppets, yeah, sure, I can give you that. My neighbor Totoro seems a little more niche. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I like the phrase larger than life. It doesn't fucking make sense. Makes me feel small and intimidated. Yeah. Okay, I yeah, think I we need to get... It's like if you mean animated, say animated. Oh, Doom Patrol's coming to HBO Max? What? Oh, boy. Oh, I also be- I also found out that uh, Harley Quinn uh, TV show is on sci-fi now, also. Oh, nifty. Um, like, just on TV? Yeah. Because I was on YouTube TV and it had it there. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm, I swear to God, I opened the YouTube TV app. <laughs> that might be good for the um, like the producers of Harley Quinn. Maybe they're selling it to other properties or they're allowed to sell it to other properties. Oh, yeah, they need money because they're not making a lot of money off of DC Universe, uh, unfortunately. A shame. I think it's a good value. Yeah. But uh, I think we need to get HBO Max specifically for the Not Too Late Show with Elmo. <laughs> Oh, Elmo has his own talk show now? Yes. That's fucking great. The Not Too Late Show with Elmo. I would love to see a a Elmo like opening monologue that includes him impersonating Trump and just bullshit with like politics. <laughs> Starring Elmo as your host, Cookie Monster as your co-host. I think he's going to be the real star of the show. And uh, Rosita, the stage manager... Uh, if you don't know who Rosita is, then you probably stopped watching Sesame Street in 2002. <laughs> Who's, whose hand's going to be up her ass? Well. Nice. Do you get it? That's pretty That's pretty good because like, they're all puppets. Yeah. Is it? Co- oh, I was going to say she's just committing a conflict of interest and is going to be in trouble with the with the HR department in a few it's weeks. It's actually Big Bird. <laughs> Big Bird is a Big Bird and Rosita. Big Bird has Big Bird and Rosita were Big doing. Big Bird has supple little hands. Supple little hands. They were canoodling behind stage. You know, one thing leads to another. I got some weird eggs. 
a sentence. I'm glad this is the direction we went here yeah, today. This, this, this uh, went off the rails. But I want to circle back quickly to Seth Rogen pickle guy. So let me, I'll at least say this. The premise sounds like Seth Rogen's going to make it really goofy. And I don't know how it's going to turn out because I read the story that this was based on. It was called Sellout. Uh, it was in the New Yorker. And um, basically, it's it like the stereotypical, like the the ideal of the industrial era working man, just sort of dunking on bougie Brooklynites. Look at fucking Mr. Fancy Pants Peter over here reading the New Yorker. <laughs> oh, yeah. I used all my four articles <laughs> reading the trial. Yeah, like he basically wakes up and like his counterpart in the present is like he writes he writes scripts for like, you know, crappy Hollywood comedies. It's like I got to punch up the script for Monkey President. I mean, that sounds. I mean, write what you know, I suppose. <laughs> Right. Um, so it's just Herschel being like he's just he's he just does the American dream again and he just builds up his own fortune from nothing. Meanwhile, as he watches like uh, his his like great 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 grandson just like be a pathetic like uh, celebrity chasing uh, sort of vapid shell of a man. Vapid shell of a man. Alrighty. There you go. Oh, okay. Never mind. But um, the Brian, I, I have good. The Brian preserved him, so I don't think it's that realistic. Children of the Brian, kind of the Brian Nation. Remember the Brian There's... Nation from Aquaman? Oh no! Yes, sort of the crab people, right? Yes, they were actually called the Brian Nation. It was one of the kingdoms okay. of Atlantis. Are you sure the they bro- wasn't from Avatar, right? <laughs> that wasn't one of the nations? No, they were like the Brian Nation or the Children of the Brian or something. They were one of the, I think it was four tribes yeah. of Atlantis that Ocean Master had to... Ocean <laughs> had Ocean to Master. fucking read. I would call them the Brine Trust. The Brine Trust. That's, <laughs> that's what their form of government is. They have, they have a few <laughs> crab people. Homerids who sit on the uh, on the throne, and they're called the Brine Trust. Oh, oh, Homerids, the worst creature type. Uh, kobolds. Kobolds, they have charm, and they kobolds. come down for zero. You can co- you can combo off with kobolds. I feel. I mean, yeah, they have if you're the playing like Cheerios. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Homerids can't eat Cheerios. <laughs> They don't. They go into their shells, and they they have power and toughness based on the tides. It's an awful ability. <laughs> what are the, what are these cards? I've never here, seen. here's a here's a here's a two two for three. It takes a turn before it becomes a two two. Do you know? Like, do you remember the the original ability for the uh, the old school hammer? I have never played Homelands. Or all right, so it's a two two for three. Uh, but when it comes into play. Uh, you put a tide counter on it. When one tide counter is on it, it gets negative one, negative one, because the tide's out. And then when it has two, nothing happens, because the tide's sort of in. And then when there's three on it, it gets plus one, plus one, because the tide's in. And then remove all the tide counters. (laughs) So the tide comes in, and the tide comes out. Oh. 
but you could then stifle the ability <laughs> to remove them and have plus one plus one. You have a three three for three. That's almost a gray ogre. That's now, well, I don't know. Because like, when there are four, or or you can have Hamrid. You can have the uh, the one that has a shell on it, where you pay blue, it gains shrouded till end of turn, and you tap it, and it doesn't untap during your next untap step. That's an ability tap to not untap during your untap steps. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll. Uh, I don't even want to go look for it. No, you pay blue for the for the privilege. Oh, okay. Uh, so it goes into its shell, and it takes a turn to come out. Hamrids, just, just fucking straight competitive fire. <laughs> well, I mean, for the time, they maybe were not disproportionately worse than many of the creature types that were. Yeah, that's true. Printed. That's a really you had such part. bangers like Veldrain of Sangir, which was a five-five. They got minus three, minus zero when it attacked. Yeah, for seven. some of the counterbalance. Yeah, some of the counterbalancing they felt they need to do on these rather pedestrian cards in that era, uh, just quite comical when you look at some of the shit they're printing now, which are literally one card combo engines. Grody, with no drawback. All right, on to the follow up. Uh, states are starting to reopen, so. There are some more movies in theaters now and some more theaters open, although for this week, uh, May 10th to May 8th, um, it's still pretty much just all IFC films. <laughs> because while theaters are opening, movie studios aren't putting out movies. Um, IFC is flourishing. So we have The Wretched up 5.6% from last week. Um, 69 608 for the gross. That's actually pretty respectable. 19 theaters and seven more theaters. So seven theaters nets them an extra 5%. So I guess people aren't rushing back into movie theaters. Um, average of 3,600 per turn. I don't know if you guys looked at this last week. I saw that it was uh, not new. So we didn't pick it for our spotlight. Mm -hmm. We, I believe, we did take a check. Um, yeah, but yeah, we, we did. Yeah, we did because we our, we looked at. Um, we found a bot. Remember the bot? Uh, and he's here. The bot's here on this. I found oh, really? it. Really? I found piano bac sun Mortal Kombat wear pink. Oh, <laughs> he's here. Good. We should read. <laughs> we should read it. Okay. We are. It's the same thing. I know. <laughs> But the, the category is different. <laughs> um, so, but the the real story here, like disappearance at Clifton Hill, whatever, true history of the Kelly game, we've talked about these. Yeah. But this movie's title caught my eye. How to Build a Girl. Uh, it's in six theaters and made $13,000. Uh, it's so weird to see like movie grosses less than my savings account. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. How to build a girl. <laughs> the, listen to the description of this and see if you're as similarly enchanted as I was. The novel charts the journey of teenager Johanna Morrigan 
Beanie Feldstein, who reinvents herself as Dolly Wilde, fast-talking lady sex adventurer, moves to London, gets a job as a music critic in the hopes of saving her poverty-stricken family in Wolverhampton. Just a lot of shit being thrown at you. <laughs> so, I need my I need my vocabulary pre-work. Fast talking, comma lady sex adventurer, comma moves to London, comma and gets a job as a music critic in the hopes of saving her poverty stricken. That's how it's written. <laughs> so, of course, with something like this, we had to make it our spotlight film. Oh yeah. Um. Yep. And uh, there's only 15 reviews, so. We're gonna we're gonna cover a lot of them over over thirty percent. You'll get the general consensus. Um, mm-hmm. This is maybe a little outside my purview. Usually, I stick to like the the eights and the nines and the tens, but I saw this seven star review that I just had to read. Um, you'll. This is the pinko, piano scum Mortal okay. Kombat wear pink. <laughs> Oh, is this the same review that, as the other one? Oh yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, you can read it. Enjoy. You can you can f- work your way through it. I'll I'll just take a chill while you go for it. Oh, if you already read it, I won't read it. Read it. I I did not know that okay. th- this is a man who has posted on several films this exact same review. Go to his account. Yes, he just <laughs> posts on everything. And all he does is he changes it's- the category. The 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 type of the movie. Yeah. But you can agree that it's such just a nonsensical screed. It yeah. is a nonsensical screed, uh, which is why I picked it. But now I have to <laughs> <laughs> pivot to a different review. Um, nine out of ten by Annie881-529753. What the... Like, these auto-assigned usernames, man. Um, Night of Town. Funny and smart comedy with a heart. I thoroughly enjoyed this funny, clever movie about a girl coming of age and trying to create her life. I didn't know anything about the book, so I wasn't comparing it to that. I love the scenes of Johanna discovering the music scene in her own voice as a teenager. The Wall of Gods and her flights of fancy were fun and entertaining. The film beautifully conveyed the magic of music, clubs and bands, and how they make you feel when you go to a live show in a small club, especially for the first time when you were very young. The way the film showed and also poked fun at boys, the boys' club of the music and magazine scene was great. I'm sure it was. It also showed <laughs> the darker side and the price she paid for admittance. Oh, did she have to blow someone to get into the magazine? I was rooting for her the whole time. The people in her family and the music scene were all interesting to me and different in their own way. Each communicated a lot emotionally, even if the role in the story was small. The ending is fantastic. One out of one found this helpful, so she rated her own review. (laughs) What say you, Jake? Okay, well, uh, two people had... Differing opinions and thought this was a 1 out of 10. Uh, especially Rue Gatsby. Patty Considine is wasted on this. Is that the uh, main actress? Or is that... I... Anyway. No. I knew, I knew nothing about this movie going into it. It's a very smug film. 
that continuously pats itself on the back for being so smug. There isn't really anything unique or original about this coming-of-age story. Sure, it has bright colors and drops some fuzzy, cool cultural references. Ooh, happy Mondays, Manic Street Preachers, dot, dot. One period away from an ellipses. Okay. Uh, what year is this supposed to be? What year is this? (laughs) End of parentheses. But all of its charm is superficial. It is predictable, poorly paced, and the main character is frustratingly unlikable. Her narcissism seems to always end up being rewarded, even when things go awry for her. Patty Considine is super enthusiastic as her father, but even his character still comes off as a total brat. Every character is a brat. <laughs> no room for development or real brats. redemption. <laughs> All are brats. <laughs> Formula. I struggled. I haven't seen so many brats since the movie Brats. <laughs> those fucking dolls. Oh my god. Sequel Who to Barbie. Fucking greenlit those. <laughs> Somebody wanted that Barbie money. Uh, <laughs> every character is a brat. There's no room for development or real redemption in the formula. I struggle to make it through the film. It is so unapologetically tone deaf. Maybe, just maybe, it's barely worth watching if you only, if only you can convince yourself that every single character is an extension of the author's completely self-absorbed persona, like a teenage music critic, fever dream fight club, but without the flair. Ideologies are big reveal. Yeah, preach, Rugatsby, preach. You did it. Five out of eight. Help found this helpful. You know what? Wowzers. I'm inclined to agree more with that review than the positive review because that yeah. was very detailed and very yeah. thorough compared to, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, it was nice. Cool characters. Uh, yeah, they had, they had some really good points and they were really uh, descriptive about what they did not like, which I'm... All right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I have a moderate... A, a middling review. I think it's a little closer to uh, Jake's, but these are never truly as interesting. So for your your entertainment, this video clown here is gonna slap himself every time we hear a hyphenated word or phrase. Let's go, kids. Here's Gallus and Umpty's review of How to Build a Girl. Jake, should we, titled, should we tell Peter that we're the only ones who can see him? Oh, they'll hear it. <laughs> Forgettable coming of age caper. Oh, guys. I'll be honest, I already wasn't a fan of Caitlin Morgan's origin before I tried reading the book on which this film is based, and I got about two chapters into it before realizing it wasn't going to change my mind. So when this turned out to be the surprise film I'd pre booked a ticket for at a recent festival, I wasn't expecting much. And that's what I got. <laughs> it's the semi biographical. Played for laughs, tale of a bookish teenage girl from a none-too-well-off family. Her father is a failed musician, her mother suffers from postnatal depression, and she shares a bedroom with her teenage brother. With encouragement from talking posters on her wall, she finds her writing mojo with the proverbial hilarious consequences. But we know the real Caitlin Morin is still a writer, so you can probably guess the ending. I thought perhaps having never been a teenage girl myself was the main reason for failing to connect with anything the protagonist experienced. 
but my wife seemed to like it even less than I did. <laughs> so I have to conclude it just wasn't very good. 26 out of 46 found this helpful. It does have an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is interesting because it has a very bad 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb. Um, but, you know. Now you got to prop it back up, Kurt. Yeah, yeah give us hope for this yeah, movie. Yeah, I'll, Tell us I'll why it's you, the best movie ever. Oh, there's really, like, all of the um, good reviews for this movie are basically boiled down to, I liked it. Um, so... I will read this review in a funny voice. Lovely, heartfelt, coming-of-age movie. This film really charmed me. Though the main character's accent wandered a little, I forgave it very quickly because the story and the protagonist's journey were very engaging and there are plenty of laughs and heartbreaking moments along the way and I have left having been thoroughly entertained. 8 out of 11 found that helpful? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> nice break. 8 out of that 10 was... <laughs> was the review from uh, Breen, Breeny, Brian, B-R-I, Breen Dude, um, dash one. Uh, no Brain is not IMDb critic. <laughs> this is the only movie he's reviewed. Man. Well, IMDb member since April 2008. One review. <laughs> one review. <laughs> well, you're not a very good IMDb member then. Because Holly Forever uh, has a disagreement with you. <clears throat> one out of ten. That accent. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Caitlin Moran, but am often willing to give a good story a chance, despite the author. Waltz in Beanie, who Hollywood is trying to shove down the public's throat despite her below average looks and talent and her horrid, horrid accent. I want to say horrid was in all caps. Why would anyone cast a semi-autobiographical story about an English writer with an American lead is beyond comprehension, and I could barely get through 10 minutes of the ear-ripping typical American trying to sound English accent that's all hyphenated that she looks nothing like her other family members nor does she even look English for that matter and I was out stop trying to make Beanie happen I refuse to see anything she's in starting from now one out of six found that helpful it's a one out of ten she didn't like she didn't like the lady uh, the girl that is Hilarious in the context of my second review of this by Polarity Pictures. Uh, Beanie dis disappeared into the role and made it good. Uh, expected something rough. Wasn't bad. She did a great accent. I was listening carefully for any hiccups in it and nothing too bad. After a few scenes, she disappeared into the character and made it believable. It exactly what an actor supposed to do. Story was all right, but standard fare. Soundtrack could have been better by choosing more unique tracks rather than ones that are more known. Two out of five found this helpful. So I'm watching the trailer for this, and yeah, the accent is pretty bad. Yeah. It's just, it just it's seems really quirky. Um, so I was like interested to see what the actress uh, Beanie Feldstein has done. 
Yeah, because I'm I watching the trailer. She looked like the she looks like the fat girl from Booksmart a little bit. So I wanted to see if she was the fat I girl from Booksmart. Uh, she she was not. Oh, she, she wasn't Booksmart though. Oh, was she? Yeah. Oh, I, did, I guess I didn't get that far. Is that? It says she's Molly and. Booksmart, oh, okay, so yeah. That's All right, so girl, she yeah. was. Yeah, she yeah. was. I didn't she, see that. It was buried deep. In she her wasn't filmography. In, she's not like in a, a ton of stuff. Like, <laughs> like the girl says, like Hollywood's trying to shove Beanie down her throat, but she's not in anything big. I mean, she was in Grey's Anatomy, uh, in like an episode of that. She was in an episode of Simpsons, which doesn't count. Uh, what we do in the shadow. She was in four of the episodes. Booksmart, uh, an episode of Will and Grace. Like, I don't. In fairness, Booksmart did get a really big media push. Okay. And, uh, like, got a lot of praise heaped on it, despite being a rather pedestrian remake of Superbad. Um, and it was, like, the third mm-hmm. remake of Superbad in, like, two years, right? Because you had Little Bitches the oh, year yeah. before. Oh, like, let's just yeah. keep remaking Superbad until someone notices. <laughs> oh, shit, I noticed. I noticed. Stop. I noticed. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I'm looking at the, the reviews that the, the bot has. <laughs> <laughs> the movies oh, he's yeah. put it under. Uh, quite a motley crew here. Um, I just love his most recent ratings. Uh, Hustlers. Mrs. Serial Killer, Den of Thieves, uh, Justice League, Dark, Apocalypse War, All Day and a Night. Although interesting to note, it is not seven stars each time. Sometimes it is six. We noticed that too. It's uh, maybe it's an anti anti bot catching <laughs> uh, technique. Perhaps yeah, might be. Oh, 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 there's an eight star. Oh, shit. Who got the who got the special honor? The other lamb. That was an eight star review on a five star uh, general movie. Is the is the lamb particularly misogynistic? I mean, it is about an all female cult led by a man in their combat. We talked about this briefly. We did. Yes, we did. Um. So, I, you know, I may I may see a pattern here. Yeah, the Invisible Man only got six stars. So, that's <laughs> that's a that's some noise in the data there. Joker only got six stars. I'm surprised. I, he seems like someone who would have really enjoyed Joker. <laughs> yeah. Um. Nope. All the rest are just six and seven. Even the Willow Bees got in there. <laughs> Really? Oh my God! That's I what this nice show for the kids, the Willoughbys. I wonder how it is on IMDb. Oh God! <laughs> Resistance six stars. Avengers Endgame seven stars. I'm surprised he didn't give it two stars because of that one scene towards the end. There. Is the green star the rating, or is it the orange? The green star, star is their rating. The orange star is its. No, the green star rating. is the local co-op in Ithaca that sells oh, groceries. 
Because um, they gave they gave Mortal Kombat uh, Legends Scorpion's Revenge ten out of ten. I only looked at their forty most recent reviews. So, but yeah, it sure is the same sure is review. It, sure is an account <laughs> on all of these movies. That it is. I am the member four years, so presumably he's been posting this same review on movies for four years now and we've only just discovered the man this is this could be our new this, it's our new obsession true, not obsession but like i think we can all like you know pop a bottle of champagne when his reviews come up in a, in a i segment. think it needs to be our nemesis i think we need to find we, him we need to feud like our, with him he's our moby dick do we need to challenge him to ritualistic he's combat our, so we're the white whales yeah. I mean, I might be white, but I've never been known to be a whale for anything. I've barely spent any money on Pokemon Go. <laughs> Can I be a... What's... Oh, wait, what's that rapper? Wale? Wale. Whale. Wale's... He's, me, he's cool people. Make sure. My understanding. Oh, we can be like the villain in Black Lightning. <laughs> I've never watched Black Lightning. So. The old black show still managed to get a redheaded villain in there. Good. Whose theme was like, he he was the theme of like, he was like, he had a fucking harpoon or whatever. Something like that. Um. Oh my, all right. I Sorry, I, I looked up Wale. I, I think that's how it's pronounced. It right? Okay. I really have never. I only like saw the the word in print in passing somewhere. Anyways, um, I looked the I looked at the frequently asked questions about him, and the, the second one, the second most popular one is how do you pronounce it? It's like okay, cool. So I had the same question, but the first one is is Wale a African? <laughs> it's actually like he had a song on one of the Madden soundtracks like 08 or 09 or mm -hmm. something like that. And I learned very uh, early on in my playing of that game that it was Wale, don't say Wally, because uh, that was a line in the song that was repeated about twice. Uh, and that song was like one of six on the soundtrack. So came up quite a bit. <laughs> I see. Uh, also, big wrestling Makes fan hosts sense. Wale Mania every year, which is like a big party mm -hmm. with wrestling at it. Oh, while we're speaking about real people, I think we would be remiss. Oh yes, I forgot. Um, I I almost forgot. Um, yeah, we lost we lost the legend this week. Um, you know, normally when someone that we know dies, uh, you know, it's just like we'll put in the group chat, like you know, such and such dies. But this was a special case. Uh, Peter texted me like, uh, "Wait till after breakfast to check the news." And, like, nothing came up immediately in, like, my Google News feed or, like, on my front page of Reddit. So I got, like, really concerned. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I went to all our, our all and saw that Jerry Stiller passed away, comedy icon in both the 60s and 90s. Um, everyone knows that I am a huge Seinfeld fan, and Frank Costanza is arguably my favorite Seinfeld character. Uh, also, Arthur mm -hmm. Spooner is the only reason anyone should ever watch King of Queens. Yes, I, I can attest to that. I've 
I've inadvertently watched a lot of King of Queens, which I think is the primary viewing mode. Yes. For most people in America is inadvertently viewed it <laughs> during a weekday. Yeah, because I think it was like elite into Seinfeld at one point on TBS. And it's like, oh, yeah, Seinfeld's mm. oh, on wow. at this point. Well, like not like when they were on the air. I think CBS was. Okay. Can you? Can you I, do, I really yeah. don't know. I didn't have CBS. I didn't have NBC. Again, I will restate for this is this is one of one of my frequently commented bits of lore, bits of Peter lore. I had two and a half channels growing up. I had Fox. I had Warner Brothers, whatever TV local TV station they supported, and I had fuzzy public access <laughs> or public uh, public television. But how did you watch your cartoons? Oh, Fox! I Fox Kids had a dynamite for sure. How about Toonami yeah. though. Line up. A cartoon network. No, no tsunami. I didn't. I never watched Dragon Ball. That's why I didn't watch Dragon Ball Z growing up. I didn't watch SpongeBob growing no up. No Yu Yu Hakusho. Like fucking no, no Yu Yu Hakusho. No Cat Dog. No Ed Ed and Eddie. No Johnny Bravo. No Rugrats. No Rugrats. I didn't watch. We had. I had Diegata Defenders and Winks and Static Shock. Wait. And Mucha Lucha and Coconut okay. Fred's right. Fruit Salad right. Island. Mucha Lucha was, uh, was, dope. was dope. I mean, it was certainly a thing. Uh, Mucha Lucha was the best. It's a. Uh, and then Ricochet went from animated into real life. <laughs> now they just get they have to get. He's Rick there. O'Shea now. He's Irish apparently. <laughs> Did he actually uh, do he it? He changed his Twitter name to that at least. Oh. Um, That's so dumb. All right, Jerry here's some. Yeah. yeah, rest in peace, Jerry Stiller. Comedy legend. I watched some clips. Uh, a lot of people putting out in memoriam clips now. Conan uh, put out a clip on his channel of uh, an interview with uh, Ben and Jerry Stiller promoting the cable guy, where uh, Ben Stiller was sick and jerry stiller had to like go into the green room and drag him out and he's like you're not going to embarrass me on national television <laughs> uh so i i want to see the displays of the festivus polls around mm -hmm. christmas time of course always at, at his memorial site it's gonna be it's gonna be Grievances will be Grievances aired. Grievances will be aired, and all the tinsel in the world should be burned so it can no longer distract anyone. <laughs> I have some deep-cut Seinfeld references. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. That's why That's why I was, I was when I sent that text to Kurt, I was very concerned because I know he was, he is the resident Seinfeld uh, diehard fan among us. I was like, this True. is going to hit it did. Man needs to be in a he needs to be in a strong positive place before he reads this. It info. hit different. It hit a lot different. Uh, also, I think uh, I don't know if you talked about it on the show last week, but Little Richard passed away. Oh no! So yeah, woo! that too. To everyone gives you. A <laughs> That's our cultural connection to him. <laughs> Never mind the fact that he basically fucking pioneered shit ton of rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, I've heard his music before. Um, gaming news. Big news this week is Epic's Unreal Engine 5 demo. Uh, they ran it on the PS5. It looked very impressive. Uh, but it did spark 
a bunch of debate. Like the PC Master Race subreddit has been like a shit show recently. Um, Don't worry, guys. Like it's okay. You know, it looked very impressive, but what I saw was the PS5 struggling to maintain 60 frames per second on 1440p in this engine. And everyone's, like, talking about how the PS5 is going to be so strong. Like, yes, this always happens with new consoles. They are very strong price-to-performance candidates when they launch. Then the following year, they are lower-end systems, and then the year after that, they are worse than many budget systems you can put together. It's the cycle. Happens every time. But I've had... If I hear about the PS5's SSD one more fucking time, I'm going to strangle someone. What about its SSD? Tell me about its SSD. It's supposedly... It has one? Is that that what it is? is Supposedly, it's the greatest thing ever, and it will make games run 100 times faster because it has, like, 5.5 gigabits per second throughput, Um, which, yes, is faster than you can get on even the higher-end Gen 4 PCIe SSDs. But, you know, it does one thing. It loads the files. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like... If it's if you're if the thing you're putting forward as your stat isn't every stati- every performance metric at the same time almost, that just says, yeah, no, we have this one cool thing, but uh, it gets bottlenecked somewhere else. Like yeah, like the whole thing is twelfth teraflop GPU. Well, it's a system on a chip. Like it's hard to quantify comparably yeah. to to anything because it's a purpose built system on a chip. So, yes, it's going to be able to run tasks efficiently, and apparently they have some sort of Kraken compression algorithm that can increase the throughput temporarily to, like, close to 10 gigabits per second. But that sounds a lot like fucking blast processing marketing jumbo to me. (laughs) (laughs) Like... That was was another situation where the Genesis... It was the Genesis versus the Super Nintendo, right? And the Genesis, the one stat that they could push was the clock speed. Yeah, so some one developer, I think for Sonic 2, discovered a <laughs> trick where you could uh, send, like, a few bits of data in a certain way that could get the um, Genesis's CPU to turbo up to, I think, like, 7 megahertz or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which was slightly faster than the Super Nintendo, but that was the only way that the Genesis was technologically superior to the Super Nintendo. Although, in Sega's defense, the Genesis also came out two years before the Super Nintendo. Yes, the Genesis was there to dunk on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Which it did rather well. Um, but yeah, the, the Unreal Engine 5, if we just remove the PlayStation 5 from it, is a very, very impressive uh, piece of technology that can display very photorealistic textures. And they talked about how, like, they can losslessly take billions of triangles of geometry for cinema quality um, textures and losslessly compress it down to 20 million triangles, which is a lot easier to draw. Uh, it, it's a, There's a nine-minute video at it. I'll link it... Uh, I'll link it to you guys. Um, and, uh, you know, just any of you out there can just Google if you haven't already seen it. 
um, Unreal 5 engine revealed. It's about a nine-minute video. They do a very uh, thorough technical breakdown of the engine and it is running on the PS5. Uh, they showed it at 1440p using something called dynamic resolution, uh, which they didn't really explain too well what the hell that means. Um, is that Does it use quantum pixels? I don't think so. But it does uh, have, like, the geometry it draws is, like, pixel in size. Like, the triangles for the geometry can be as small as oh. a single pixel. It, it does look... It, it looks pretty good. Yeah, so... But... But, you know, turns out they'll put their but, best foot forward yeah. when they're pushing their well, new system. Well, this isn't, like... This is why I get so fucking annoyed about all this, like, you know ps5 talk and like xbox series x2 and how the new consoles are gonna outperform a lot of pcs and stuff like that and it's just like no one has like particularly a lot of people cite this digital foundries article that uh, says that the xbox series x will perform between a gtx 2080 and a 2080 ti uh problem with that though is to my knowledge, Digital Foundries does not have an Xbox Series X to test that claim, nor do they have access to a software development kit to test that claim. So right now we have just a bunch of unverified uh, claims, which you'd be stupid to believe, because if you rewind back to 2013, the PS4 and the Xbox One were supposed to run games at 1080p, 60 frames per second, no problem. But instead we got like games at 900p and struggling to maintain 30 at times (laughs) so they Mm -hmm. promise the moon always you don't get that so i don't know why people think this time is going to be different yeah no it's and it's like that been like that for years yeah um so like just remove that like the only thing that we've heard from someone not employed by sony and who has access to the hardware is Tim Sweeney, CEO of Epic Games, saying that the SSD on the PS5 is faster than what you can get commercially on PC right now. That's it. And it's storage. Like, yeah. You have yeah. to consider the fact that if they do continue putting games on discs, you're going to be limited by the disc read speed, number one. If they don't, if they like, they install everything to your hard drive, then you're going to run into space issues because, like, sure, you put the whole game on the SSD, it loads up super quick, you can pop in all these textures, what, what have you. But if you can only fit like five games on there, <laughs> there are like a hundred gigabyte games. It's a five hundred gigabyte SSD. You know, it is there. What value is that technology? That is the kind of. Yeah, that's the silly kind of that's the silly bottleneck that they will certainly run yeah. into, and you'll you'll have to deal with it when you take your two hours to download your game, yeah. uh, and then you'll have to throw it out in a couple weeks when you want to download. Yeah, drive one. two hours to your friend who has like fucking FiOS in his house to download your game, <laughs> <laughs> and then you drive back to your place to play it, and then you have to do it again. Like, yeah, it's. I'm sure they're going to be fine. Like, I don't... If you want to get a PS5 or an Xbox... Hell, I'm going to buy a PS5 because it's going to be backwards compatible with PS4 games. 
and there are a few PS4 games that I want to play. Um, but like, yeah, more power to you. I'm sure it's going to be a good piece of equipment for the next couple of years, and then it's going to look kind of outdated, kind of fast. Yeah, as and, and it I always mean, does. SS, SSDs like that. I mean, if, if whenever they come out with something like that speed for PC. We have the option to always include that in our rigs. I mean, we can always pop one in there. It's and not hard that's to, the only that's part we'd have to buy. Yeah, like, I don't have to replace my whole system to upgrade the SSD. You're not telling me that like the the, the CPU and the the GPU on the PS5 is what is the main driving force, which is like sometimes something that's maybe not as available for a PC user. But that's not the thing that's groundbreaking. It's the SSD. So it's like, all right, well, when it comes out for the PC, I'll get it, and then I'll have your speeds. (laughs) And then even if, even if the GPU in the Series X is, you know, like a 1080 Ti equivalent, we're like probably a month or two away from NVIDIA announcing the 3000 series GPUs, which is going to push the whole stack further to the right. Yeah. It's like, it, it, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, this, you try. This, this isn't just a debate. And it's not a fault of Sony or Microsoft. This is just the nature of technology and having a modular system yeah. being an advantage over having an all in one system on a chip. Yeah. Right. Uh, you. The day when you can when when you can pull apart your Xbox and upgrade the rig as you see it, that'll be a fucking that'll be the day. They'll they'll jerk off all over. Yeah. Well, E3 you know what that, that would be though. E3 still exists. That would just be having a PC. It'd just, just be a mini PC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what it would be. And yep. and they would. I don't think they would ever do that because then it'd be like, all right, why buy a new console? Yeah. Why buy a new console no, when we'll like also, you can just buy? We'll just. We'll literally horseshoe back around where you start putting work apps on your console, and it'll be like the fucking co- the uh, the Amiga and the Com- Commodore sixty four. <laughs> you know, it'll be funny if they go back to like cartridge systems where they sell the games on like an SSD, and you just like pop in like new SSDs every single time, well, so you get that. Essentially, major speed. that's no, how this buy, works. You buy yeah. the game. Well, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say hey, you buy nice the skin. game, and then you <laughs> slot in all the cartridges for the computer to play around it. Yeah, <laughs> it's reverse. It's the reverse cartridge gaming. Yeah. Gaming is having a hell of a moment right now. Um, as I don't think this comes as a shock to anyone, but U.S. spending on video games just hit a new quarterly record with ten point nine billion dollars going into the gaming industry in the first quarter games. of twenty twenty. That's why uh, Epic was feeling good they're like yeah we made enough money on gta 5 and they gave it free i got it and uh, i got it too it's awesome i yeah. I'm, I'm downloading it, it now <laughs> it's 94 gigabytes i started like an hour before the show i'm at 90.1 of 94 gigabytes even though it took a while for them to uh to fix their the epic game store it was down for a little bit yeah they I that was one of the article it. things <laughs> yeah i think everybody was downloading it at once so like they had struggles so it still says yeah, due to high up. demand bandwidth in some regions may be temporarily limited. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Which is probably true. I'm getting about 13 megabytes per second down on average, which uh, is certainly not saturating my 200 meg download <laughs> speed. Uh, but that might be Beautiful. their uh, their servers. No thanks. Uh, continue with ad blocker, please. <laughs> Stadia. Uh, Google speaking announces. No, of... yeah, go ahead. Oh, I had, uh, speaking of free games, uh, Fallout 76 is free this weekend. I mean, by the time you get this, you know, it's probably, you know, people won't, it'll be over. Good. But, uh, you know, Fallout 76 had their free weekend this weekend starting Thursday at noon. Uh, and that's, I mean, I think that's a cool idea to, like, allow people to, like, sort of rent games for free. Yeah, Steam does this on occasion. Um it's actually fairly frequent. There will be a three weekend game that you can, you know, sample and see if you, you it's it fits your bag, baby. Um, yeah. Uh, but also, Steam has gotten not to be outdone by Epic. Steam has gotten into the three game giveaway themselves. I've claimed a couple three games from them: uh, the 2013 Tomb Raider and uh, a game called Head Scratchers, which I've never played. I don't even know what it is, but it was three, so oh, yeah, I just I added it to my library um and the true principle but of steam. you know steam saw that epic games was giving away gta 5 for three and they countered with an equally impressive offering uh that's right folks you can get lego ninjago the movie the game for free <laughs> on steam right oh now. oh my god uh yeah, they fucking they they whiffed on that. I'd say <laughs> um, that is funny. So, uh, Jesus, I, th- I think they have, they have, they just have tons of deals too. I mean, I'm looking through this like Far Cry New Dawn down sixty percent on uh, Steam or Epic. Uh, Steam. Oh yeah, Epic's also know. having a big sale where you can claim a ten dollar off coupon. Uh, which you can redeem on any game priced fourteen ninety nine or up, so you can basically just get a five dollar game game for five bucks. Uh, little uh, little nightmare. Well, this is only today's deal, so it doesn't matter. Damn it! But little nightmares down seventy five percent, five dollars. I know that's a a pretty popular game it's for aesthetic and stuff. So five dollars for like uh, a nice little platformer that you can play and dump a couple hours yeah. into it's two hours epic mega sale borderlands 3 is 50 percent off uh satisfactory up satisfactory is 10 percent off uh a lot of ga- red dead and redemption 2 is 20 percent off uh game of the year edition witcher 3 is on sale 70 percent off for 14.99 so you can get that for five bucks with the t- t- three coupon. Uh, that's a that's a pretty good use of five bucks, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you haven't played any of the previous Witchers, you'll be fine. Like the story, like elements carry over, but they're not super tightly interwoven. Uh, Shenmue three, fifty mm-hmm. percent off. Shenmue twenty four ninety nine. Get your get your coupon on there. A uh, bunch of Assassin's Creed games, uh, heavily discounted. Assassin's Creed Three Remastered, nineteen ninety nine, fifty percent off. Assassin's Creed Rogue, sixty seven percent. Get that for six fifty nine. What a random price. <laughs> Syndicate, eight ninety nine. Unity, mm-hmm. 
899. Lots of lots of stuff on sale right now. Um da, 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 da. we talked like there was Tom's hardware and a story about stadia exclusives, but they're not news because we've talked about stacks on stacks on stacks and the Panzer Dragoon remake remastered um stuff before. So this isn't exactly news. You mentioned uh, Assassin's Creed um, before. Did you see what their Discovery Tour is? Their I've, Discovery Tour mode? I have for, not. I know that's free. I saw an article that's on free that, to play but I didn't for know Odyssey what that is. and Origins. Yeah. It's like, apparently, I think it's like the game that you can just walk through and see the environment and interact and learn about like that time period. Well, that's kind of neat. But without, like the killing like if you're not into the bloodshed and you don't care about like assassinating people like the name uh mm-hmm. you can like i think so they can just flex all their research that they do for these games yeah without i think that's to, a pretty neat concept uh it enables players to explore and learn about them uh without the, all the ugliness and the bloodshed yeah hey yeah learn about fucking ancient greece i've been to greece it's pretty cool <laughs> it's an edutainment game I think it might even be better than Mario Goes Missing. You shut your whore mouth. Don't ever bring that blasphemy on the show ever again. I'm sorry. I I have to say it's better than Mario Spells. Okay, sure. But not Mario Teaches Typing. Is it better than Paper Mario? Because there's a new Paper Mario coming out. Talk about it, Jake. That's a bad segue, but go for it. Paper Mario Origami King... I think it's Origami King. Uh, just got announced. It's kind of cool. It, it looks neat for the Switch. Uh, I think that's like a it it uh, offers a, a neat perspective to Paper Mario for the, all the Paper Mario fans. I know people really love the art style and like kind of it's just so different. But now it brings it into like a 3D world, which is neat. Yeah. Uh, I never played Paper it's, Mario, so not really for me, I don't think. But I think for a certain crowd, it's. Uh, have you have you tried Paper Mario? And not liked it, or no. you never tried it? I, th- I never tried it. No, it, I, it. You might you might find yourself enjoying it. Yeah, uh, I probably I probably would. The N sixty four version hasn't aged super well, but Thousand Year Door is pretty fucking good. Hmm. Yeah, Thousand Year Door is basically. That's basically the one that they've been chasing for the for the last few years. Yeah. It's their it, it is their it, white whale. Uh, that was sticker star color splash, and now the origami thing. And this one, I don't know. This seems to have people more hyped than the other two because sticker sort of star plopped out. Those were like I don't want to call them shovelware, but they weren't like true big budget sequels. Yeah. Like this feels like it's the third installment, you know. It's not a spin-off game in between it. Is this like the um Super Mario was it, was it Odyssey was that the last one that came out? Yeah. Oh, Switch. Yeah. I feel like it's that for Paper Mario. Oh, Odyssey's such a fucking good game. Um Yeah. Uh also, sticking with the Switch, may they're releasing a May update to their classic games collection for Switch Online subscribers. You get the selection of uh, SNES and NES games that you can play as long as your subscription is active. Uh, they have some good ones on there like uh, Think Link to the Past and Kirby's Dream Course, Star Fox. They have Star Fox 2 on there, 
the unreleased, previously officially unreleased Star Fox Two. Um, it's it's pretty realized. I'd say it, it, interesting. Like you 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 play that game and you think about the fact that it was an SNES game and you're like, this is pretty good. This is pretty, <laughs> pretty good 3D for the SNES. That super effects chip. Um, I don't particularly recognize many of these games, but you've got um, some Japanese game that looks like a puzzler. Uh, Panel de Pan is, is like a, I've, that, a bejeweled I've heard of that. That's a sort of thing. Title. Wild Guns, uh, which isn't it. Oh, is that the um, RPG? It's a Western RPG, I think. Like a Western themed um, RPG. It's a Western themed shoot 'em up. It's kind oh, of like okay. hmm. uh, if you took the perspective of Gunstar Heroes and shifted it to third person instead of side scrolling. Uh, okay. You have Operation Logic Bomb, which plays a bit like uh, Xenocrisis. Or not Xenocrisis. What is it Xenocrisis? What was the Genesis game you brought over? Is that Xenocrisis? The one is it like, like an arena the shooter? Twin where stick it's top, top down, down arena here. shooter. That yeah. was Xenocrisis, okay. yeah. Uh you also have Rygar, which is a dude with a shield, the side scrolling platformer. That's oh, a fun. NES title. It's a classic yeah. Rygar. Um and I think that's it for the May update. So I'm glad they're adding more shit on there. The Switch does not have a proper virtual console, which is stupid because if ever there was a system where the virtual console would be a huge hit, it would be a Nintendo Switch. Like, who wouldn't want to fucking be able to play Mario 64 on the shitter? Who? Who? Who, 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 I really want to know who are you or what's new, Scooby-Doo? Uh, Scoob are you? know, you? like... Uh, Featuring Simon Cowell. They did put... Extended cameo. Indeed it was. Uh, so we watched Scoob this week. This was my first experience with watching a new release at home. I enjoyed it. I, I, I found I en- it pleasurable. Both the I movie and the experience. The, yeah, the experience of like watching a, a, a new movie at home. I laid on my couch. I have a projector, so I feel like I'm in the movie theater. I talk during it, just like people talk during my movies. So it was like yeah, I was able a real to, experience. to pause it when I had to go to the bathroom. I went and I popped a pop bag of popcorn, and I didn't have to give someone $10. It was really <laughs> quite amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this this might bode not too well for movie theaters. It's, I mean, like, there's some some things like that I kind of missed about the theater experience there, like the the sound system. Like, I've got a decent sound system, but it's not like movie theater sound. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's about it, really. <laughs> like, um, I was able to like, I didn't have to worry about like my rabbits i was able to keep an eye and chill with them like it again being able to pause if i had to go to the bathroom lots of just benefits and you know and they've yeah go ahead they've made the real push starting out here with kids movies because like you said um for a yeah trolls that did bang 
it did bangers. Hundred million uh, in three weeks. Movie. And the fact it's that fucked. AMC is saying, <laughs> "Well, fuck you, Universal. We're not going to carry their movies, even though Universal carries uh, Fast and Furious, which is one of the biggest movie franchises yeah. around." That is. Cutting off your nose to spite your face, especially when they're it. like four point nine billion dollars in debt or something ridiculous like that. Uh, I think AMC is going to fold. Um, it's like it's lying in your own grave and pissing straight up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like I, my theory on this has always been the same, and I, I'll say this now because I was going to talk about this last week, but obviously wasn't on the show last week. Um. M- Places like Alamo Draft House or like fork and screen locations for AMC. They'll probably be under new management, but like that place we went to in Columbus, like movie feed, um, yeah, Hollywood Grill, uh, drive ins, movie theaters with a gimmick will survive because value the gimmick is what draws you there. Just regular movie theaters, you know, it's a hard sell. Like, yes, $20 is a lot for me individually. If I want to see a movie that you two don't want to see and I can't split the cost with, $20 is a lot. Like, it's easier for me to drive to the movie theater, pay $13 for a ticket, and see the movie. But uh, so rare is it that... I go to see, and I had Stubbs A-List, and that's like $25 a month. You only have to see two movies a month to get your money's worth. But even then, it's hard because, like, it was the same way with MoviePass. When you get your subscription service and you're like, oh, I can see all these movies, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go see all these movies, and you're like that for two weeks, and then you realize that not a lot of good movies get released in a calendar year. Mm -hmm. And you're struggling yeah. to like go like sometimes you're just going to see like they've re-released this movie for its special anniversary. You're like, well, I have it on Blu-ray, but I got to get my money's worth. That's <laughs> so I'll go and fucking see it. Um, and like splitting the cost. I did the math here and to reach twenty five dollars. That's like. For three and a half movies, very rarely do I see more than three movies in a month. Because there's just not a high enough volume of releases out there to justify it. Yeah. Right. And that's uh, that's how they always were going to be. That's that's how you make a successful model is that you have to price it at above, you know, just at that range where only the real diehard guys will, will get their uh, their money out of it. But yeah, now... And- the kids, to Peter's point, sorry to like steal your thunder here. The kids movie. That's fine. The testing the market with the kids movies is really smart because building on, you know, when we first talked about this, Jake's point with like, you know, $20, you know, that's not a lot if you're like a family of four who spends, drops like a hundo when they go to the movies, you know. I was like, shocked when my friend told me how much he would spend going out to him one movie. He's like, yeah, he's like, it's, it's like, sub ten dollars maybe for the kids but then him and his wife have to get tickets so that's you know twenty six dollars right there probably forty to fifty dollars after you get all the tickets and then two kids want popcorns and candies and soda he would said he would spend a hundred dollars going out to the movies with his family and now we can do it for 20 bucks in his living room 20 bucks in his living room 
don't have to fucking even watch the movie. You just sit your kids. Get a pizza pizza delivered. delivered. You you pop your own popcorn. You fucking, you have your own soda. You have your own candy. You can just sit. You don't even have to watch the movie. You can just sit the kids in there and it's probably cost neutral. And then you go fucking God forbid you have a bone your wife in the other room while the kids are watching the movie. (laughs) You do whatever he wants because it's in his own house. They're fine. He doesn't have to worry about like he doesn't have to worry about yelling at his kids to be quiet during the movie or something like that. We don't and we don't have to worry about other people disturbing our experience when we want to pay attention to Spider-Verse. But, you know, a group of kids are kicking the seats and being numbskulls. A hundred percent with that, because I remember, and if you can go back and you can listen to the sentiments if you want to dig through the archives, um, one of my things with, well, first off, everyone knows how much I hate fucking applauding movies in the theater. Um, Secondly, I remember, kids are the worst, and I remember specifically, I've had a few experiences, obviously, the, uh, the Coco debacle where I gave up my seat yep. to let a grandchild sit with their grandparents and then the grandchild just fucking would not shut up. Um, and then like Batman versus Superman when we, I don't know if Peter and I saw that together or I think we were separate at that time, but like separate. there was like a kid's birthday party at the fucking theater in Wellsville. And oh. what I remember most because we had watched Deadpool the week before. I'm like, it's so nice to have a rated R movie <laughs> where kids aren't there. <laughs> like more, Every movie should be rated R. But now I don't even have to worry about that because I can sit and I can watch it in the quiet of my own home. And most importantly, I'm not going to get weird looks for bringing a notebook into the theater to take notes. And I don't have to like try to fucking blind man my notes down because I can't see what the fuck I'm writing. Yeah. <laughs> in this dimly lit movie theater. And this is nothing to say of the other the other market implications of kids movies, which we've talked about before. That being that kids movies ticket sales are flat across the rate the time of their their theater run. They just go forever. And also that like I don't I feel like you could really pull a lot of very consistent data out of kids viewing patterns because they watch movies in a fundamentally different way than adults yeah. do. Uh, cut to ever going if you've ever gone to anyone's house who has a younger brother or sister, and they just watch the yes. same movie I all day. Wore for out our Toy Story VHS like that thing did not work after yep. a couple of years, and that's another thing too. Like with this rental period, you have forty eight hours. You can watch the movie as many times as you want. So your kids can yeah. get fucking Trolls World Tour out of their goddamn system, and you only have to pay $20 for it. Yeah. So that being said, so I predict Scoob will be a, a rip-roaring success. Oh, I think so. Another one. This may be – well, certainly if it is, that will be a huge sign to producers and movie people everywhere that this was trolls was not a fluke that this is a model that's sustainable um but let's talk about the Um, movie yeah so like yeah the worst part about this movie is like this movie's kind of like in two halves the first half is a lovely love letter to scooby-doo i'm glad they even like fucking 
took scenes from the original introduction to the cartoon oh, yeah. for their most of that was like original. They adapted yeah, they, the it, intro, like, right? Shot for shot, yeah. I saw the classic moss. Like everything was there. I, that made me really happy. Oh, that was super cool. But the second half ventured a little too much into like we're trying to just make a summer blockbuster kind of movie. Like it, it bordered too. It melded the world of like Scooby Doo and superhero movies a little too much for my taste in parts. Like overall, it wasn't bad. Like I liked the inclusion of the Blue Falcon. I laugh anytime anyone uses the term adult son because it just makes it's just funny. <laughs> adult son <It> Brian. <laughs> um, but the biggest problem I had with this movie was the fact that. Although the original cast or the more well-known cast for Scooby-Doo was available, they chose to use bigger name actors. And I understand the theory that you need to have big names on the marquee to sell the movie. But a sp- and, you know, obviously they did, weren't planning to release this in COVID-19 times. But I feel like Scooby-Doo is what's drawing people to the theater, not Will Forte or Zac Efron or Mark Wahlberg. Mm. Yeah, but you saw who the voice yeah. of Scoob was, right? Uh, I mean, he was he was the original voice of Fred in, like, the 1970s uh, show. Yeah. And I, uh, he That's was, interesting. He was the I voice of Fred, maybe, and, and or the dog? He, he's a really good Scooby-Doo uh, voice, which makes me wonder if he did, if the original voice of Fred also did the voice of Scoob. So I. But Matthew was, uh, Matthew Lillard, um, who I believe, um, let me make sure I'm not mistaking. He's the newer voice of. Well, he played Shaggy in the the live action Scooby Doo's, and I think he did some voice work post Casey Kasem because Casey Kasem's the voice of Shaggy in all of our hearts but unfortunately he passed away in 2014 right so you can't get him yeah why didn't they get him <laughs> yeah I mean they got necromancy go, spoilers spoilers they go into the that's, underworld that's true movie. um but yeah Matthew Lillard uh was hoping that he would be uh included as the voice of Shaggy but wasn't and only found out after they publicly announced the cast list. Um, and I will just say that Will Forte, not the best choice for Shaggy. Didn't sound quite right. Yeah, he was yeah. a little he was a little off. Um, that's how I would describe it. I heard Will Forte all the time. Like I, I was like, yeah. yeah, that's Will Forte. Yeah, I didn't like, hear... Because he was too Will Forte and not enough Shaggy. I didn't hear Shaggy. Um... But uh, before we get into main reviews, uh, I I enjoyed the movie overall. I really liked the first half. And it felt like if you gave me, if if you gave me or someone like me who's a big Scooby-Doo fan growing up but has, you know, more mature sensibilities now and a certain style of humor, I feel like I probably would have written something very similar and whenever a movie's writing matches what I probably would have done with the movie, I tend to enjoy it because obviously I would 
hopefully like something I write, although my track record on my own creations and enjoying them is spotty. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I would recommend this. Uh, this is not my favorite piece of uh, Scooby-Doo-related media that's come out in the last couple of years. Um, although I have not finished the series, uh, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated uh, takes that. Yes, that is very me. good. It's not as good as that. Like, this is not peak Scooby-Doo. This isn't the best Scooby-Doo movie. I mean, it's certainly not as good as On Zombie Island. Um, although... I don't know if that's a fair comparison, but it's good. Like, it's fine. I understand some of the decisions they made, even though I personally disagree with them. It's good for the kids. It's good for people who aren't kids. If you're a fan of Scooby-Doo, you'll enjoy this movie. If you're not a fan of Scooby-Doo, you know, there's probably some stuff in here for you to enjoy. I wouldn't say go out of your way to watch it, but if you have kids, you know, and you have to sit down with them to watch it. You're not going to be bored to tears. Um, you got Tracy Morgan I, in here, and that was great. <laughs> there were a lot of surprising things. I mean, like Ken Jeong as the uh, Dino Mutt. I was like, he sounds so familiar, but I couldn't put a finger on it. I'm like, oh, it's Ken Young. Yeah, I didn't know that until I saw the credits. I was watching the credits. I'm like, that's who that was. I wondered why he sounded familiar. (laughs) I know. It was was pretty crazy. And then also Fred Jones, Zac Efron as uh, Fred. I was like, oh, that's so odd. Uh, But I I like this movie. Uh, I kind of try to view it as like, two perspectives as a kid and then also as an adult and there was a lot of stuff for the kids that they would go haha and be very entertained and and uh kept amused throughout the entire movie and then there's a lot of stuff that i got as an adult yes I f- and i was like this is entertaining this is a kid's movie and i think that's kind of why i like kids movies is because there's little nuggets of gold that are for adults that you can appreciate but there's also the whimsy of the kid based entertainment i feel that this movie had a higher proportion of stuff for adults than most kids movies uh yeah yeah. and that would make sense though because i mean this is a a 50 year old property almost also um hollywood stop with your emotional climaxes it's too much too much don't yeah. need to cry i was like time. fucking and i was <laughs> petting one of my bunnies too as i was watching this and i'm like holding it tighter and like it's fur is getting wet and matted from tears <laughs> <laughs> yeah they really they really uh, play on that emotional like, part but i mean they had great parts yeah, that's and parts that i didn't like there, there were some some iffy parts but uh you know every movie has those uh it's not a perfect movie mm-hmm. Um, had a little pacing issues maybe towards the middle, but I think I was pretty kept on track the entire time for the most part. Yeah, very um, watchable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Let's, let's yeah. go into spoiler. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't think like the plot is, it's just a, it's, is a bog standard friendship, uh, plot plus Scooby-Doo plot. Um, they find a thing. So, I don't think it'll be worth much to talk about the sequence of events that happen. I want to talk. I kind of just want to talk about elements of it. Be like, the one good, objection I have with the plot 
very light on mystery. Very much more of an action movie, sort of like we got to get the MacGuffin or stop the bad guy from getting the MacGuffin versus like a Scooby-Doo mystery. It's not like Scooby-Doo mysteries are like the fucking work of Agatha Christie or anything like that, but there's more mystery and, and whimsy to them typically. This was more of like a superhero there movie was, you with know, Scooby-Doo characters. This was, this is almost, uh, this was a secret. They secretly injected a pilot for the Hanna-Barbera combined universe. That's like, they snuck it in as this yeah. movie. Um, which, I that's a side note that I want to talk about, is that I don't know why, but the works of Hanna-Barbera are, they have a weird tendency to to want to coalesce into greater things just just in the cultural uh thought sphere because um that's eventually sort of what venture i'll tell you why being um well two things well i mean i guess harvey birdman probably also inspired by this but universal studios orlando now it's nicktoons ride but originally hannah barbera ride combined universe very popular attraction yeah probably inspired it's not a bad move and and it's great i think i think it's it holds a lot of cash for people and so it's always a great idea to be like hey look let's take these weird zany one-off shows and we'll just put them together and they because they they're just so incongruent on their own that it's just it's so easy to just be like here here's captain caveman with the blue falcon totes um and i i just looked i wanted to see i originally want to see if he-man was a was a hanna-barbera thing because that just feels like that but i ended up looking through the entire works of hanna-barbera um they it was so interesting it's just an interesting trip yeah there's a lot of stuff in here i think anyone go anyone who who's just even generically interested in it Go to the list of works produced by Hanna-Barbera on Wikipedia. Scroll through and just be like, wow, what the fuck? That's crazy. Such things like Fred and Barney meet the thing. The thing being the Mar- the Marvel member of the there Fantastic Four. There was an era Four. of um, Scooby-Doo cartoons wherein uh, Scooby-Doo and Shaggy or the gang would team up with certain people within the Hanna-Barbera uh, universe Um you had the Harlem Globetrotters and other figures. You had Harlem Globetrotters. You had Don Knotts in one episode. You had uh, Batman and Robin, one of the more famous ones. Yep. Was there ever any milk? Were there actually cookies? Um, yeah, so there's there's a lot there. Uh, but specifically this movie... I feel, uh, you know, it incorporated some Hanna-Barbera properties in there. Um, Sorry, I got a text. Um, Yeah, it incorporated these other Hanna-Barbera properties in a way that worked within the story. I mean, we had four. It didn't, Uh, yeah. Blue Falcon, Scooby-Doo, Captain Caveman, and... Speed uh, Racer. No, uh, (laughs) Dastardly... Dastardly... Dastardly and Muttley? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Dick Dastardly and Muttley. Oh, Wacky, wacky races, races. Not Speed Racer. I'm sorry. Yeah. Speed Racer. <laughs> oh. oh. He's going to go up that cliff. <laughs> He's going to ah. go over that cliff. Ah. 
just love how there's like two frames um, of animation. Um, so good. I no of note, they repeatedly talk about how Dick Dastardly is kind of ugly and and kind of mean and gross. But like, there are scenes where he looks like quite a catch. Like where he where he breaks. I think it was the second time he comes out of his uh, disguise. He was disguised as Fred, and he breaks out, and he's wearing nice. Form-fitting slacks, a tasteful turtleneck, and he's got his cut hair, and he looks—he looks just he looks damn like good. A snack. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he <laughs> looks like a snack when he was disguised as that highway patroller. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. Wait, who is the voice of that? That was uh, there was some f- famous lady. I don't know. Probably like fucking I some fucking porn star. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, oh god, let me see. Yeah, Scoob yeah, the Danny Danielle's in their Scooby Doo movie. I don't know the name. Sure. Sasha Gray is like uh, the see. last Where's porn the star name fault? I ever bothered to commit to memory. Danny Danielle's is uh, funny. Da, 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 da. She does TikTok sometimes. The porn stars are interesting <laughs> people. From everything I, I hear, I think they, I think they have a great character. Was it Christina Hendricks? Oh, okay. That's maybe who I was thinking of. Um, anyways, yeah. Also, so next next order of business, Simon Cowell. I that just felt uh, out of place to it, me. Yeah, it was weird. It was a I little feel, too it was much. Weird. I feel I like they had someone else that they wanted to get for that because, like, it's an investor. It could be literally anyone who has money mm. or is known to have money. <laughs> And I think I think like one through four on their wish list didn't pan out. So someone was just like had their head in their hands in a board meeting. It's like fucking can we get Simon Cowell? Yeah, they literally could yeah. have swapped it out for anybody. I mean, and yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. And maybe like maybe like a controversy came up last second. You know how careful people are sometimes and maybe they sure. swapped it out last second after like, oh, well, yeah, there, there are some allegations out there and we don't want to anger anybody. Um, so maybe, that's just no, speculation. Of course, but that leads... It just Simon Cowell yeah. just didn't make sense. It leads to the question, who do you think they wanted? Who would have been mm. the best choice? I mean... Producer, investor, oh. Harvey Weinstein, and they were just waiting for that that innocent, guilty thing to come back. Um, <laughs> and then they went to jail, and they're like, ah, well. Like, if I had to do that scene, I would have, I guess, I guess it's also a money thing. They did, but they they hired a lot of stars, so I don't I don't know how valid that argument is. But I would have hired, I would have gotten a lot, a more of smaller cameos, right? And done it as a little montage of them, lots of investors coming up and checking them out and be like, oh, I don't know. You know what would be funny if they did? You no, know, I'd be like, oh, it's Gilbert <laughs> Godfrey. He want, I want to invest in Mystery Incorporated. I need to follow be very up good. for the Shudini. <laughs> I think, I think that would be very good because they, if they picked somebody who is not only like uh, a Hollywood celebrity, but they could be like an actual character and their own person, like Gilbert Gottfried. He's like, a, he's a fucking character, dude. I mean, the I'd question awesome is, do you go that. with someone who's like widely recognizable, which I mean, mark in the favor of Simon Cowell, or do you go for like a Scooby-Doo deep cut? Like this person was like in this <sighs> famous episode of Scooby-Doo or something. 
Like, you know, I don't know. I think what you would do here's here's my here's my treatment of the scene. You would do a bunch of like here's Seth Rogen, <laughs> guys. Uh, yeah, mystery I don't... machine. Yeah. yeah, and you do like you do a bunch of like that, and the last one is a deep cut, and you use that as the unmasking reveal at the end. Yeah, I, I yeah. like the idea yeah. of unmasking reveal at the end being the supposed investor. I don't know that I agree with the idea of having multiple investors come up because I feel like you're just Unless repeating that tank. beat too many times. I think would hurt the scene, and like because it is kind of like a crucial thing to the plot. Like that's the impetus for them to split up. Mm. So I don't know if you want to like. Maybe that's why they picked Simon Cowell because Simon Cowell is so direct, and he had to be the that. You know, I mean, yeah, he, he's, the, he's the perfect bad guy for that scene, certainly. It did seem a little out of left field, though. Yep. Uh, also, uh, I did some research. Frank Welker is both the OG voice for Scooby-Doo and Fred. Okay, yeah. He was he was really good. I so, don't know why they didn't nice. let him do Fred also, but that's... <laughs> yeah. You had him in the movie. Maybe. Yeah. You know... You know what I would have really liked in this movie? I just thought of this, and it would be a great... If you were going to do more Scooby homages, I would like them to be, like, I don't know, on a TV station or something, and just have the la- like a laugh track go off in the background and then make like a joke about it. Because that was, that was a part of the old Scooby-Doo oh, yeah. cartoon, was that there was a fucking yeah. laugh track on it. I mean, this definitely had some self-referential moments that they're like all right yeah we we know we've done this before and and i think they should have played on that a little bit more but no i don't know no i don't think so because i think this had enough to where it was fine and like you could pick those out but it didn't control the movie yeah and it wasn't a defining part of the movie. If it was too self-referential, then we're yeah. like, all right, what is this, Deadpool? If we, yeah, if we consider the audience that this is marketed towards, kids, like, in that 8 to 12 demographic, probably haven't seen original Scooby-Doo. So, like, if you want to, like, throw in a lot of references, they aren't going to know who the fucking Creeper is. <laughs> you know, they're... They're not going to understand why the joke about the laugh track is funny. Um, so you can have a few of those, but if you have too many, then the kids are going to be like, I don't get it. This is an old, it's like when the Garfield, like, fucking uh, movie came out. You're like, kids are like, this isn't something I'd watch. I don't watch, I don't do Garfield. That's a that's a that's a comic strip for 36-year-olds on their on their cubicle walls. Yeah, anyone who had s- and and also a horror <laughs> franchise now. Anyone who had seen uh, like the Garfield and Friends animated show by the time that movie came out was well into their 30s. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I, I'm trying I to did, like see if there's any like famous animated characters like oh. like John Cena like I don't know if you could bring any of those back. Maybe you could bring John <laughs> Cena back. <sure>. Yeah. <laughs> um. Note. So I just now I'm, I'm just listing off things that come to my mind about this movie. Um, quick note: I like the carnival scene. I don't know. I, it just felt very. Uh, 
in in for me. I felt like that was the most cohesive scene for me in terms of um Well it certainly pacing was one of the more action. direct plot advancement scenes. Uh yes. Um that's, that's all I had to say. I like the Blue Falcon in her play. I liked I like again, adult son always gets a laugh out of me. But I like I the fact that Mark Wahlberg was this fucking nebbish, you know, like he looks the part and that's it sort of thing. Yeah. I think it I got think a they little could have done more with end. that. Um like it was basically that's the joke and we do nothing with it until the very end. That's what it, yeah. Um yeah. I think they could have done more with that, like had more moments with that, or like had his, you know, buffoonery uh be more damaging in spots. I don't know. I felt I felt like it was an underused plot point i feel like that was with a bunch of things um there is one joke i remember where they were talking about the original blue falcon oh it was it was there it was like 92 percent there and i just wanted to i want to go in the writer's room and be like here here just take this it'll be it'll be all the way there because they talk about oh the blue falcon he's moved on to a better place uh, and then he goes. Then Shaggy's like, "Oh no, is he dead?" Yeah, and he's like, "No, Tom Tom New Florida was coming." It was like that was great. That was great. But I was like, I I think it's just the the tuna for me would just be like if they did that. But Shaggy didn't say anything. They just let the line sit. But he gives the expression on his face. He's like, and then Blue Falcon's like moved on to another place. Yeah, he's- Palm Springs, and then Shay- and then he goes, or, oh, or Palm like Springs. He sees them. He's like, oh no, 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 no. He just retired, like without him having to feed him the line. Uh, I did like the reveal um, though, where they're like, yeah, you're not Blue Falcons. Like, what do you mean? It's like, no, the the crest isn't the right size. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, one of those scales. <laughs> They're feathered. <laughs> They're feathers. I I didn't like that. That was the the, the like Blue said, Falcon the, did a lot of things. The first for me. half of this movie. I enjoyed a lot. The second half, it had some high points, but it just felt really uneven and messy. Yeah, when it when it turned into like mm-hmm. just a MacGuffin race and and just trying to find the the dog and we're fighting and Cerberus yeah. and Alexander the Great stuff. They didn't do any dog yeah, jokes true. with Cerberus. I wanted Fred to throw his the Mystery Ink shield. Like a frisbee. That's a weird fucking it. through line in movies that we've watched recently where char- main characters have to sacrifice their beloved van. It happened in Onward. It happened in this movie. Yes. I noticed that. I'm like, this is a weird fucking through line. <laughs> it's happened in. You haven't watched it, but it's happened in Steven Universe. Damn. The van. The van is just. It's a. You know, remember, Kurt, remember when we played uh, Advance Wars? Vaguely. The, we we put it on the TV. We played a little bit of it. Uh, there's yes. a unit, the APC, in there that has no offensive capability. And often I would use that as just a wall. I would just park it in front of a tank and be like, mm-hmm. all right, everyone, get the fuck out. They're going to blow up this van yeah. while I make my escape. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I there's that. And, of course, uh, the main through line through all of these movies and everything uh Velma is to my great relief still hotter than Daphne. Different strokes. Yeah. I agree. I, I agree. don't know. I feel like Daphne didn't have a lot to do yeah, in this Daphne, movie. Does anyone I mean, else feel I that felt way? like she was the mom. Fred, Daphne, she and Velma were all pretty underwritten in this movie. 
I guess because well, it wasn't there. Yeah. It really wasn't. It was their a Scooby story. and Shaggy movie, which I think is why I'm kind of okay that they didn't get like original actors. It was like for them. I think I definitely think maybe they should have gotten somebody better for for Shaggy. For sure. Um, but I mean, there weren't tons of importance to Fred, Daphne, or Velma's characters, and they really didn't have the spotlight the entire time. It was really the Falcon team, and it was Scooby and but Shaggy. Each one had at least one action that they performed that came back in the climax. Yeah. Which yeah. I mean, we got we got Velma. She she true. found out all the information from digging up in the police database. Uh, Daphne got them out of the jail cell with the little robot who ended up helping them, helping them out yeah. later. And then Fred drove them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> what, what did Fred do again? Yeah, he, I uh, mean, he was. <laughs> he didn't set a yeah, trap. Okay, that's, that's for fucking that, sure. Low key, now that you mentioned it, I didn't even think of it watching it. Biggest problem with the Cerberus fight scene. There was no elaborate trap. That should have well, been. Well, there was the marbles. Right? They, they did the bowling balls, but that was Shaggy and Scooby. The traps yeah. are Fred's thing. Yeah. Um, just, that's his thing, man. That's right. They even had the jump. Like, they were all able to get there ahead of t- or, like, reasonably ahead of time to the whole thing, I think. Um, Fred should at least set up some. Because, I mean, that's the big fucking. That's where everyone's characters come out is when oh. they do it. Because Shaggy's always the. Daphne's the distraction. And she always gets hung up in a very dangerous situation while traps Fred's traps fuck up. Velma is like just trying to like sleuth around for some shit, um, and then Shaggy and Scooby They're randomly the find yeah. the They're guy. The bait always, and yeah. they, yeah, and of course Shaggy swooshes yeah. right in. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the um, I yeah. Fred did have the 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 secret to the how to lock the door to the underworld. That's what that's what Fred yeah. brought to the party. Yes, he, he, he grabbed, grabbed the, the post and off the wall <laughs> and drove that. That's true, but yeah, like the the elaborate trap was now, missing. They didn't like they never mm-hmm. even had the elaborate trap. Like the when they did like a classic like mystery ink, you know, when they were kids with the haunted house, um, like he threw a fucking axe. Like that's hardly an elaborate Scooby Doo trap. Yeah, who are you, Conan? Right. <laughs> They, I, I don't know how much yeah I agree with this ties into the action thing also I don't know I think they could have used less violence at least in the fights they don't they don't in the end they don't win the day by just punching the Cerberus dude in the face they use their wits yeah at least somewhat they find a way to to an adventure an adventure way to resolve the conflict but there was still a lot of like, I'm gonna just yeah, shoot missiles. Yeah, the missiles. At him. That was one thing I noticed I like, with uh, Dynamite. Like, he's there's a lot of missiles being fired in this movie, and I don't know that that's correct. Maybe that's a Blue Falcon thing. I don't know. Maybe it's. I've never not seen in the it's not in the like Paris Scooby Doo, but I don't know enough Blue Falcon. You're right. Stuff. I don't know enough Blue Falcon stuff, but like looking at looking at other <laughs> Hanna Barbera stuff of that era, like you know. I mean, Jetsons isn't a good comparison, but like, like Birdman, not Harvey Birdman, but like, you know, like the cartoon that that's based mm-hmm. on. Like, there isn't like missile fucking sure. missiles and shit like that. There's lasers. Like the blue, I like the blue grenade yeah, scene. Yeah, the electro grenade, the, the, the like arc grenade. Yeah. What, I forget what the joke was with that, but I remember I laughed at that he one. He didn't know where it, it was. He's like, oh, my utility belt has all these pouches. Oh. 
Oh, and he's like, it's right there. <laughs> and then he, he threw it, it in the, the cart of the Ferris wheel. It was like he it ricocheted they, off they, and they were they like. played hot potato. Didn't he make like a F-bomb? Yeah, so oh, yeah, F-bombs. Yeah, it's like, hey, let's keep it's it like, PG. He's like, hey, let's keep it PG. Yeah, so Which, that's what I mean. Like, there, there were PG, some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little self-referential uh, things and stuff like that. I, I like certain things. Um, but yeah, the the I like Dynamite. Honestly, I liked his his interactions with he Brian were fantastic. Oh, I like the character. Uh, I just, just thought the missiles were a little over. Yeah, yeah. I, I like this uh, certain interactions with him. The lines, the writing for Ken Ken Jong was was great. Good actor for him. Um, Another I, iconic scene during the carnival scene was that was very in Scooby-Doo and wasn't just people hitting stuff and hitting robots and robots with buzzsaws or whatever was uh, dastardly. He's they're in the go-karts and the butt grabs the thing and kind of <laughs> go, go gadgets wheels onto it. And then uh, Dick dastardly has all his little robots like yeah. get under like a little cat. I love that. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of the little robots great. and this is more towards the beginning of the movie um, when they all go to the bowling alley and then they get chased by the robots through the bowling alley. Um, and then they hop behind the counter in the concession stand and that's then classic turn Scooby-Doo. up to be the, the waiters. Yeah. Or which, that's classic Scooby-Doo. Love that I love scene. That. That's why I think the beginning of it was like... Like I said. Like you yeah. said, the love letter to Scooby-Doo. And then it kind of transitioned to more new age action-y type movies. But like there's certain things like that were spot on for me. Uh, although I did not care for the little robots in general. Cause I looked at them and I saw the way like they're, they like had their little baby forms and like this, they're trying to make this like a minions toys style, like merchandising <laughs> I, I opportunity. Richard dastardly <laughs> would not make such a machine. I said that during the movie, I turned to my roommate. I'm like, he's growing. These are the minions. I'm so mad. <laughs> yeah. Um, very much in that vein. They're trying to get a slice of that pie. Um, expect that. I don't even remember what the fuck they were called, but expect that movie in like 2022. Yeah. Spinoff <laughs> movie. <laughs> Fucking dumb. I would know. Be so mad. Um, even though they were a little cute, but they're just vibing. They're just vibing robots, mm. dude. Uh, uh. What? Uh, All right, so yeah. Uh, any, any other again to recap? Overall, good movie, watchable movie. Um, first half very good. Second half little uneven. Um, but uh, yeah, if you uh, feel strongly about the emotional connection between a man and his dog, uh, bring some Kleenexes with you to your couch when you go to see this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's worth the watch if you are a fan of Scooby-Doo. If you're not, uh, you know, you can probably skip it. I'd give it a solid, like, eh, 6.4 out of 10, something like that. Yep, I'd say, uh, if you're a Scooby-Doo fan, worth a I watch. Think, also, I think if you have, if you have enough people around to watch, too, if you, if you have, like, a... Uh, share an Amazon Prime account, or you have a, a group of people who are willing to split the cost. I don't know. Twenty bucks is a lot of money. It is. Just for for one for like for a kids movie. Person. Well, for any movie, it's for one, it's for for one viewing or uh, of one movie. Yeah, that's a I lot. Mean, it's a big ask. 
Because usually with those movies, you get something extra. You get like the D box or the uh, or like the um, what is it? Um, shit, the surround sound bullshit. What do they call that? <laughs> I'm so mad. Dolby Dolby Five Point One. Home theater. The fucking I'm, I, I'm in, IMAX. I'm IMAX. IMAX. That's what it is. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Like, usually you get something Some extra value with that, added. But. Although it is interesting, you can purchase this movie for $24.99. So for five bucks more, you can own it. So that's an interesting wrinkle. How many, how many people are probably doing that uh, over renting? Like if they have like a bunch of kids. You know, if I, if, I thought about it. Like I looked at it and I'm like, okay, so it's this much to rent it for 48 hours and it's five bucks more to buy it. I considered buying it. Although I will say that it'd be nice if you could do like rent with an option to buy, like rent the movie for the $20. And if you enjoy it, you can pay five bucks extra to keep it. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that they should consider. I agree. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder how many, um, I wonder how many like families are, are just like, well, it's $5. More. I would, if I had, I, kids, you know, little you know. Jimmy and Timmy are going to be like asking for it in a week and we're not going to rent it again. Jimmy yeah. Jimmy. You know, let's, let's just buy it straight it's up. Like what's, what's five bucks really? I'd love to see those numbers at the end to see how many people, rented versus how many people I'd bought. love to see a lot of numbers coming out of this. The unfortunate part about it is there's like no like central nexus. There's no box office mojo of on demand mm. profits. It it almost have to be like a like a statement from Paramount or something. Yeah, you'd have to like I mean it's yeah, a publicly it, if they're a publicly traded company, have you'd have to like look through their earnings report <laughs> to see. <laughs> Which I'm not, trying I'm not about. I'm not going to pour through a thousand pages of corporate nonsense to get to. I already, I already don't do that with the stocks that yeah. I. <laughs> I just look at the number. Do they do well or do they not? I get right? an email from my broker. Oh. oh yeah, there's a shareholder vote on this thing. Don't care. Don't care. Don't care. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for episode 211 of the Saturn Studs podcast. We'll be back next week with episode 212. Tune into the stream tonight around 8 p.m. Peter and I will be playing Ghostbusters, the video game remastered. It is widely considered to be basically the third movie. Um, so we're excited to to uh, play that and not at all discuss anything that may have happened in 2016 related to the Ghostbusters property. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll do that. And then the following week, we're possibly going to play Hilux. We'll see how that goes. Um, Maybe. We'll be doing something we're for doing sure. something. And then week after, so in two weeks, we will begin Mass Effect 2. Um, if you haven't seen our Mass Effect 1 playthrough, it is not yet up on YouTube. However, one of the DLCs for Mass Effect 2 is Mass Effect Genesis, which is an interactive uh, comic from Dark Horse, which will take you through the plot and our decisions that we made in our Mass Effect 1 playthrough in a concise introduction. So don't worry if you feel like you're going to be out of the loop. Uh, you'll get 
brought up right up to speed. So uh, look forward, looking forward to that. Uh, also look forward to seeing you all on the stream. Check out uh, Day in the Life. Again, that link is going to be in our description. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.